get a little more light up here. There it is. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word. And so does the lighting person. God bless you. Well, we're in chapter 6 of, actually chapter 3 of Proverbs. 6 is what we're doing on Sunday. Kind of interesting that the Holy Spirit led us into Proverbs, a book of wisdom, both Wednesday and Sunday. Must, uh, God probably thinks his people need to smarten up a little bit. Amen. Some of you didn't even look at me when I said that. Amazing. <laughs> so we're in Proverbs chapter 3, working our way through verses uh, 5 through 7, talking about the key to having a blessed life. Now, by a show of hands, and I'm assuming you're all awake, sober, and paying attention, who wants a blessed life? I'm just looking for the hands that ain't up. Because everybody wants a blessed life, Amen. Nobody wakes up and goes, man, I hope it's a real hard day today. Yesterday was easy, and I, you know, that's nothing for me, God. Why don't you make it hard for me today? No, we want quiet, peaceable lives, amen? The Word tells us to pray for that, to yearn for that. We want to have a blessed life. And even when the world's going crazy and coming unglued, you and I, because we're in Christ, can still have a blessed life. So I want you to be encouraged tonight. We went through part one of this. We're into part two. I'm going to read you. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, let's read it, hear it, and uh, we're focusing on, uh, I'll read the part we're focusing on when I go through the second time. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, tonight, last time we were together, we focused on trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And we did an entire message on that. If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to get it. But our trust needs to be not in ourselves, but in the Lord. And this scripture really points to that, tries to get us to understand we are not to be autonomous. We're not to do whatever we feel like doing. We're not to just be some kind of lone ranger Christians, unsubmitted, uninvolved, un, uh, you know, unburdened. Did you ever think about that? You and I all have burdens to carry. The Christian who refuses to carry a burden is violating what Jesus said, that what? We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross and follow him. There are plenty of Christians that won't carry the cross. There are plenty of Christians that do, won't do what God's called them to do. They say, I don't want this burden. It's too heavy. I want to enjoy my life. Now, the trick is that if we try to save our lives, we lose it. But if we'll lose our lives for his sake, we'll find it. It's in carrying that cross and in carrying that burden that we find real fulfillment in life. Doing our own thing just leads to our own mess and a lot of disappointment on our deathbeds. So the key to living a blessed life is to trust in the Lord and uh, to put our faith in him. What we're focusing on tonight is the second part. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We got that. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Say understanding. So it's our understanding that we have to deal with, and we're going to unpack all of that tonight and see what it means. But remember, last time when we talked about trusting the Lord, that meant bringing our hearts to him and uh, you know, trusting him with all our heart. The heart is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And if we keep any part of our heart from the control of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a hard time trusting God. 
So remember, the mind, will, and emotions, that's the heart. Verse 5 continues by adding to the necessity of trusting with our mind, will, and emotions. We have to trust the Lord. We learn to trust him more than we trust our own senses and sensibilities. Did you hear that? It's not, oh, well, I trust you, Lord. It's, that's easy to say, isn't it, Pastor Mike? Oh, I trust you, Jesus, until everything around us is shaking and everything around us is unstable. And then we're like, ah! And we grab for this and we grab for that and we cling to this and we cling to that. And many times it's not the Lord. And so this trust thing gets proven here. And it's that we learn to trust the Lord, not just with our lips, not just with a mental assent, but we learn to trust the Lord more than our own senses and our own sensibilities. What, what does that mean? It says, and lean not on your own understanding. That's what it's implying there. Our understanding is our own senses, our own sensibilities, that we trust the Lord more than that. Now, what is the understanding of man? It's the knowledge that man arrives at from the feedback he gathers when he evaluates everything around him through his five senses. You're listening really good. You guys are really lo locked on me. And that's good because this is a little bit thick here and we got to grab hold of it. The, the, the understanding of man is the, the feedback that we gather through our five, five senses. Now, the five natural senses that we have, hopefully you know these because you have them and you're using them. But our five senses are seeing, hearing, touching, smell, and taste. We see, we hear, we touch, we, we smell. Hopefully, we don't smell. <laughs> the end of the day, you can only expect so much from your deodorant. We hear, we see, we touch, we smell, we taste. Those are the five senses. So uh, we gather information through those five senses, and then we process it, and then we come to our own understanding. It's the understanding of man. It's the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of the world. Are you getting this? And so uh, the Bible's telling us that we can have our five senses, but we can't lean on them. We can't rest on them. We can't invest ourselves in those five senses and only those five senses. So being totally dependent on those five senses will doom us to becoming driven by sensuality. If you live by your senses, you will become sensual. And your flesh will love that because it'll feed all kinds of appetites. If it feels good, do it. If you want to, it's okay. I mean, it, it leads to all these things. You know, I don't really need to describe sensuality to you because you understand it. And when we live by the five senses and only the five senses, we are going to be driven by sensuality. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7 tells us that if we live that way, it's spiritual suicide. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5 6 through 7 says, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Listen to verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by what we see, not by what we hear, not by what we touch, not by what we smell or we taste. We don't live by our senses. If we live only by our senses, we'll be driven into sensuality. But if we will walk in the spirit and we will allow God to let us live by faith, uh, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have this faith. If we will walk in faith and not in sight, we're going to have a blessed life. See, right now with our senses, if we look at what's going in the world, you know what it leads to? Depression, discouragement, anger, 
bitterness? You say, no. Well, you're not paying attention close enough. Because everything, you know, that we hope for and ask for and the American dream and do this and do that, all of that is, is disrupted. And if we're going to just look at life and the world and, and the condition of the nations with our senses, it's not going to lead to a blessed life. It's going to lead to a lot of confusion, anger, and bitterness. But if we'll walk by faith and not by sight, and we begin to see what God is doing, even in the middle of messes that man has created, we're going to get excited about the kingdom of God disrupting the ordinary and bringing the extraordinary. We're going to get excited about God bringing the supernatural and disrupting the natural. So... It's not a five senses thing. That leads to sensuality. It's got to be a faith thing, and that's what we need to learn to walk by. Our spiritual growth and wellness hinges on our willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit rather than the deceptive, whimsical, conflicting five senses that we were given. So let's dig in a little deeper. What's the problem with leaning on your own understanding? A lot of people think, you know, I have good intuition, I have good success rate, I'm, I'm wise, I know I have the proper application of knowledge, I've been successful, I've kept God's principles. Okay, so what's wrong with leaning on our own understanding? Our natural senses uh, are, it'll come down, if we're going to lean on our natural senses, it's going to come down to following our heart or following our gut. Did you ever have people just say, you know, follow your heart? What does your gut tell you? Well, my gut tells me to go back to the diner. <laughs> what does my heart tell me? My heart, you know, it, it wants all kinds of things. It's all over the place. Uh, nobody wants to get real with me. They're looking at me. We're praying for you. So the problem with leaning on our own understanding, with following our heart or following our gut, there are three problems. The first one is this. We can't always tell the difference between right and wrong. Oh, no, no, Pastor, I always know. I've never been fooled, never been tricked. We'll have an altar call for liars at the end of the message. All of us have been tricked and fooled. Yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get to that. We can't always tell the difference between right and wrong. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25 make the same point twice. Listen to this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 16, 25, same exact words. There is a way that seems right to a man. Oh, pastor, I, I just know the difference between right and wrong. I just got good instincts. I have, you know, I have good senses, sensibility. No, we can't always trust our five senses. We've got to learn to walk by faith. Why? Because there's a way that seems right to all of us, but in the end, it brings problems. You know, things that seem right to us in the beginning, things that seem right to us in the minute, in the end, have turned out sometimes to be the worst possible thing we could have done. Oh, man, this feels right. This feels good. I checked my gut. My gut is happy. Uh, you know, I checked my heart. I want that. And, and we never thought to check with God. We never thought to check with the Holy Spirit. We never thought to, you know, to exercise our faith and say, God, what do you think? We followed our heart. We followed our gut. And we found out we were 110% wrong. Oh, this person seems like a great person. I'm going to get in business with them. Ah! 
this person seems like a great person. Let me let them into my house. This person seems like a wonderful marriage partner. Just look straight ahead now, married people. And a lot of times our heart tells us one thing and our gut tells us the same thing and we didn't check with the Holy Spirit, and we couldn't tell the difference between right and wrong, and we made a decision that turned out to be the exact wrong thing to do. Many times in life, we do find ourselves having no idea what to do. Sometimes, well, yeah, I want to do this. My gut says that. My heart says that. Sometimes in life, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, and lately, I, I just stand before God, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And you think, man, Pastor, you need to study more. You need to pray more. You need to, you need to get out a little bit more in front of that computer too long, in the Bible too much. And, you know, it's not enhancing our worldly wisdom. It's not increasing our knowledge base. It's just that the Lord gets us to places where we have exhausted our own strength, our own energy, our own insight. Uh, we've exhausted, you know, what we know, and we have to stand there and go, I have no idea what to do. How many times in the last two years during this COVID thing did a lot of us just look up at heaven and go, now what? Come on, anybody. Now what, God? Now what do we do? Do we close? Do we open? Do we worship? Do we wear masks? Do we put ourselves in bubbles? Do we bury ourselves up to our neck? What do we do? And many times we don't know what to do, and we don't know what's right or what's wrong. And, you know, we make our pros and cons list, and that doesn't help. We get expert opinions, and they're conflicting. We, we use our own wisdom, and it doesn't get us there. We use our own knowledge and life experiences, and that doesn't help. We even have scriptures to support both sides. Come on, as someone who, who studies scripture all the time and theology, there, sometimes you can create an argument on both sides of an issue. If you look at just the interpretations of, you know, the rapture and the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pan-trib, all of these, I mean, everybody has a scripture to support their side. And most of them are wrong, but we can talk about that later. But understand something here. There's times we're not going to know what to do. We, we make the pros and cons list. We do everything we can, and we still can't arrive to the right place in our own understanding. We need the Holy Spirit's instruction. Church, it's time for the sheep to hear the shepherd's voice. It's time for us to shake off laziness and want the pastor to do everything for us, and the prophet to do everything for us, and the Bible teacher to just tell us, just do it for us. No, it's time for us, when we don't know what to do, to get in the secret place, to get on our face, and to inquire of God until the Holy Spirit speaks. Well, that's what we pay you for. Well, you couldn't pay me enough to do that. I'll go play guitar somewhere. Don't push me. We can't tell the difference between right and wrong a lot of times, and we need the Holy Spirit. And that's why, one reason that our own understanding will never get us to where we need to be in God, and it'll never lead us to the place of peace where we can have a blessed life. How about number two? Many times our hearts are fooled because we're emotional. Who would have the courage to admit that we are emotional people? Come on, if you're Latin or Italian or anything, come on. 
Not everybody's British, have that composure. But some of us got hot blood. Some of us are emotional. We talk with our hands. We yell. Stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Get a hearing aid and turn it down. Many times our hearts fool us. Let's talk about that a little bit. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. It says this, and for many of us, hearing a scripture like this is almost, you know, it's almost like we think this shouldn't be in the Bible, but here's what it says. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So my heart that I thought I could trust, that I thought was pure, that I thought was all filled with love. How do you do that? It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Yep. And that's why it'll trick us a lot of the times. That's why we're emotional and we think, you know, we should go with our heart. Usually it's the exact wrong thing to do. Listen, all of us have to come to this place where we see that our emotions can deceive us, where our, our heart is exactly what Jeremiah said it is. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Again, how many would be brave enough to admit that you've been tricked by your own heart? Many times, and you know what? There's times as a young Christian, I was tricked by my heart, and it almost shattered my faith. Pastor Mike, I was like, can I really even hear God? Man, I thought this was God. It wasn't God at all. I never, I never heard God. I went with my gut. I went with my heart. I went with my own understanding. I went with my emotions, and it tricked me. My heart tricked me. My emotions tricked me. Many times we get suckered into doing all kinds of things that are disruptive to our walk, that are bad for us spiritually because our hearts told us they were good. When we finally get, you know, our hearts corrected and realize we've been duped, we've been deceived, we're left kind of shaky because we don't know if we can hear God. And so we have to come to the place of maturity where we can control our emotions, where we control our flesh, when we can put our heart aside and be like David and say, search me, search my heart, God. See if there be any wicked way in me, amen? King David understood. He couldn't even trust his own heart. Why? Because he was a passionate, impulsive man. He was a warrior. There was times he wanted to pull out the sword and rout people, and he had to be restrained. And he had to put his sword back, and he learned to be mature enough to go, say, God, Check my heart out, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. That's a place where we all have to get to, that place of maturity. So we don't allow our emotions to trick us or our heart to trick us or, or, or to be led around by our own understanding only to find out in the end we've been deceived. You know, our eyes see things. Remember, it's, it's sensuality or it's spirit-driven faith. Our eyes see things, and we, we look at them long enough when we want them. Anybody old enough to remember catalogs? We'd have catalogs at home, and I'd look at the catalogs. I'd look at, you know, I remember looking at guitars or BB guns or whatever. I could memorize the page in the catalog. I knew everything on there, and I wanted that thing. I looked at it so long. I, I, you know, after a while, now it's, you know, you, you're online, you're looking, and you look at something, and then all of a sudden it keeps popping up in your news feed. Yeah. 
Because they want, they, are you still interested in this? No, I'm interested in why you're listening to what I'm looking at. I'm, but we look at stuff and we, our, our emotions get ramped up and we want them, you know, and we think if I just could get that thing or if I could just get that job position, it would complete me. Or if I could just be in a relationship with this person, it would satisfy me. Or if I could just have this material luxury, it, it would be my thrill forever. And then you get it. And you're bored with it in two weeks. And in a month, you're hanging your clothes on it. You know what I'm talking about. Our hearts fool us. Our emotions trick us. And so we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us or our hearts are going to deceive us. Number three, we often make wrong choices because we don't have all the facts. Why can't we go by our own understanding? Because we don't have all the facts. Sometimes... We think we do. Have you ever met a person that thinks they know everything? Yeah, they're, they're, they're peaches, aren't they? Delightful to be with. Never done anything, never accomplished any, never did what you'd done a hundred times, but they know better than you. Wonder how God feels when we act like that. We often make wrong choices because we don't have all the facts. While we have some degree of understanding and knowledge and wisdom and experience, we don't ever have all the facts. You say, well, how can you say that? I can say that because of this. Oh, there's only one person who knows everything, and that's God. It's one of the characteristics of who he is. He's omnipotent. To be omnipotent, that's a fancy theological way of saying he knows everything. God is omnipotent. We are not. You might think, well, I need to work on my omnipotence a little bit. My omnipresence, too. I need to be in more places at the same time. You know, these are things we can't accomplish. And so God never expected us to know everything so we could make an educated decision from our own understanding. God expected us to approach him by faith and to trust him as a little child, to let him lead us by the hand, by the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, 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 I got this, God. I got, all, I, I got it. I figured it out. I got all the facts. Just, you know, take care of somebody else who's not as smart as me. I got this. Help us, Lord. We make wrong choices because we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the facts because we're not omnipotent. We're not omnipotent because we're not God, and we're not supposed to be so independent of him that we don't need him. He designed it that way. He designed us for relationship. So we can see all the limitations of our senses. I hope after those three points, you know, we understand our senses, our life experiences, our own understanding. Uh, you know, uh, these things are not something that we can lean on completely. You know, when you see that word there, lean, that's a word we didn't talk about. We talked about the understanding, but we kind of skipped the lean. So let's go back and, and look at the lean here. What does it mean to lean? Wow, that rhymed, and I, I didn't even know that was going to happen. I want to make something very clear at this juncture in the message tonight. God did not give us a brain. Everybody feel your head. Yeah, there's a brain in there. We're not going to talk about how much of it that we're using. But God gave us a brain. God did not give us 
a brain and give us all this wisdom and give us all this understanding. Think about, think about what man has accomplished just with the intelligence that God put in man. We shoot rockets into space. We've walked on other planets. Medical science is amazing what, what we can do with the heart and with organs and with transplants and all of these things. So God gave us a brain and he gave us logic. He gave us reason. He allowed us to gather life experiences and he didn't give us all that so we could categorically ignore all those things once we get saved. Christians should be thinkers. Christians should understand and use logic and reason. I'm only, I'm only getting a few amens. Got a lot of dummies. Well, I don't want to think. You ever notice the older you get, the less you want to think? Uh, me too. So we got these brains, we got logic, we got reason. God gave it all to us. We should be thinkers. We should use logic. We should learn from our life experiences. How many would like to do the wrong thing once and then learn? Let me just raise both hands. This is probably a good time for us to just like spend 30 minutes in the spirit. God, why do I have to do it wrong 58 times before I realize it's wrong, and then, and then I know it's wrong, and then I still do it. Why so many times? You know, it would be so great if we could use wisdom and logic and life experiences to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach us expeditiously. And God wants us to use all those things, and we shouldn't categorically ignore them. And while all of those things are valid and useful, they're, they are always secondary to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah, well, I've, I've developed all that, Pastor, so I'm going to use it. I, I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to do what I want and see how it works out. Those things always have to be secondary to the Holy Spirit, to the leading of God, to the instruction of God. Why? Because most of the times, the things God does in the kingdom of God totally defy logic and reason. Yes, he does. Well, God did something and it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's because he's God and, he, and we have a two-circuit brain compared to his and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So if we're only going to go by our understanding, no matter how well we develop it and use what he's given us, God's going to do things in the kingdom that defy logic and reason. Listen to me. It was not logical that Abraham and Sarah should have Isaac when she was 90 and he was 100. That's not logical. There's no gynecologist that would say, yes, I would recommend that. From a scientific standpoint, and in light of what we know about physics, Moses should not have been able to separate the waters with a stick. Come on, if you don't believe me, get a stick and go to the Hudson and give it a go. We'll film it. We'll put it on YouTube. Not going to work. In all that we've learned about centuries of conflict and warfare and battlefield tactics, Gideon should not have been able to beat the Midianites with 300 men. On paper, David should have never fought Goliath. Saul was right. 
He's a a man of war. You're just a little boy. You know, you're going to get squashed. Here, take my armor. I can't look. There's no way on paper that he should have went out there. There's no way he should have been able to take him down with one stone from a sling. One stone. I mean, I mean, I could see Goliath's chasing him in circles and he's pelting him very far. One shot. Takes him out. Takes a borrowed sword. Takes his head off. Now it's quiet. There's no evidence from a structural engineering point that would ever suggest walking around a fortified city seven times and blowing a trumpet and saying, that that would make walls fall down. You know what the most amazing part of the battle, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho is to me, Tom, that they went in, it was level when they went in. All those walls fell straight down, and it was level. Because if those walls would have fell and there was a rubble pile there, that still would have been an obstacle that they would not have been able to overcome. The, the enemy would have the high ground. They'd be fighting uphill. They'd get slaughtered. Those walls came down flat. That doesn't make sense. That's not logical, but that's God. There's no logical reason or medical explanation that would explain why Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead days later, that he could cleanse lepers, that he could heal the sick, that he could open blind eyes, that he could do all of these miracles, that he could raise himself on the third day after they crucified him. But all those things happened because our God is bigger than our understanding. He's bigger than logic and reason. And for those who are caught up in intellectualism and think you need to understand it and figure it out and it has to be plausible, it has to be scientific, listen to me. We walk by faith, not by sight. There are certain things that don't make sense that God does. And that's why it's got to be faith and not our own understanding. To live a blessed life requires humbling ourselves, walking in faith, never limiting God to our five senses. God gave us those five senses, but he himself are not limited by them. If we're going to lean on anything, let us lean on the truth of Matthew 19.26. Write that text down. Matthew 19.26. You want to lean on something? Lean on this. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Lean on that, that you serve a God who does the impossible. And nothing is impossible for him. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to be able to explain it. You don't have to be able to work it out on paper. (laughs) You just have to believe and watch God do it. How are we doing on time? We got a couple more hours? What do we got? I'm going to try and finish up a little bit of verse 6 here. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So we don't lean on our own understanding, but we have to then acknowledge God. It's not my understanding. It's not my gut. It's not what my heart tells me to do. It's not what my senses tell me to do, but I have to acknowledge you. Now, this is how we secure the foundation of a blessed life, by giving God his rightful place in every area of our lives. God's rightful place is that we, in all our ways, we acknowledge him. Are you getting that? 
in all your ways. Now, not just some of them, not just in the spiritual ones, not just in the ones that, you know, you don't want to deal with or you can't understand. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? It means our relationship with God can't just be something we add on to the rest of our lives and make it just a part of us. A lot of people do that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll mix some church in. I'll go once in a while. I'll mix some Jesus in, but I'm going to continue to do my own thing. That, that's, not, that's not being born again. That's not being a child of God. That's not being part of the kingdom. That's just adding Jesus to your portfolio. Jesus has to be the centerpiece and the glue that holds everything together in our lives. And that's the place he deserves. Too many people compartmentalize their faith and their relationship with Jesus into a few specific categories, times, and events. They attend church, they celebrate holidays, they pray at certain times, they lean on their faith when they're in trouble or in crisis. They use, you know, God kind of fits in to a few parts of their routine, but that's it. This is exactly how not to live as a Christian, to just kind of pigeonhole God here and there. Just kind of, you know, use them for, you know, when we need them. And when we don't think we need them, we just do our own thing. And I know this is not popular preaching, and I know this doesn't fill the church, but it's the truth, and it'll set us free if we, if we understand it and we apply it to our lives. We can't just stick a little bit of Jesus here and there and compartmentalize our faith. No, he has to be the centerpiece. He has to be our everything. You've heard it said, and it sounds so cliche, but it's true. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. This is not how God intended us for, for, you know, to live as believers. In fact, that kind of lifestyle of just adding a little Jesus here and there stinks of religion and it never leads to a blessed life ever and here's why because part-time christianity will only produce part-time joy part-time purpose part-time fulfillment and part-time blessing god's looking for full-time christians who are his all day long every day not just on sunday and a couple wednesdays and on the holidays oh by the way weekends are mine too lord Acknowledging him in all our ways means that God has complete access and influence and authority in every area of our lives. You know, many people accept Jesus and they're thrilled to be saved and they're thrilled that their, their eternity is secure, but they won't let Jesus be Lord of their lives. And this is something we all struggle with. I'm not up here preaching this like I got this all perfect. Amen. It's a struggle every day to keep him on the throne of my heart as Lord. Because a lot of things tug at me and tug at you that they want that spot. And you know what? If we don't crucify our flesh every day and carry our cross, so, sometimes they try to weasel in there and take, take that spot that only belongs to Jesus. But many people, you know, well, Savior, yes, Savior, that's awesome. I'll take that. But Lord, hold on a minute. You know, I'll, I'll go to church and, and I'll do the Jesus thing, but I'm going to keep my time for myself. Uh, uh, time, my time belongs to me. I'm going to keep my finances to myself. That's my money, God. If I'm, you know, feeling like I got a little extra, I'll throw you a shekel or two. Those gifts and their talents, they're mine. Thanks for giving to me, Lord. But I'm going to use them to elevate and enrich myself instead of for the kingdom. How many people have gifts that belong in the church that won't take the time to use them in the church? 
No, those gifts are to elevate me, to enrich me, to, 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 to get people to say, wow, you're so talented. Hmm. My desires, my sexuality, all of these things, they belong to me, God, but I like the Savior part. You see, the Savior part is easy, and thank God for it because we need it, but he's got to be Lord. He's got to be Lord. I said he's got to be Lord, and we're never going to get there by living in our own understanding. Acknowledging him in all of our ways means that we don't make any decisions, big or small, without first recognizing the lordship of Jesus over us. I'm going to close with this scripture. And it illustrates this point exactly, and it shows us why we shouldn't go by our gut, by our heart, or by our own understanding if we want to bless life. James 4, 13 through 16 hits the nail on, our, on the head for us. It says this, come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Did you guys hear that? Oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to move here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to spend it. And we make all these plans as if we're autonomous, as if we're not bought with a price, as if we don't belong to Jesus. And God says, it's arrogant. It's disrespectful because we should say, if the Lord wills, we got to get this. We got to get this. Some of us are so self-sufficient and 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 i have to say it rebellious to the things of god that we don't allow him to lead us at all then we wonder our, why our life is a series of disasters come on i'm your friend I, I love you i'm telling you the truth you say how do you know that a series of disasters but god if you will if it's your will God, can I do this? Should I go there? Should I buy this? Should I get involved with this person? Should, should I sell this? Should I, all of these decisions have to be made in light of the lordship of Jesus Christ. If not, we're proving that we're walking by our own understanding. And when the wheels come off, guess whose fault it's going to be? Not God's. <laughs> so... Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Next time we're in this text, we'll continue and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I thank you for Proverbs. I thank you for the wisdom of it. Father, I thank you for these people that you brought here to hear the word tonight. Father, I pray it has accomplished its purpose in all of our hearts. Father, where you've stretched us, corrected us, challenged us, Father, would we respond in faith where we need to make changes in the way we live and act and think and feel in our walk. Help us, Lord God, to be humble enough to make those changes. Where we've been autonomous and done our own thing and not even given a thought to the desire of our Savior, as our, of our Lord, Father, we repent of that. Guide us and direct us, lead us 
by the Holy Spirit, let us walk by faith and not by our senses, that we wouldn't become sensual, but we become spiritual. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.